0: that that's the so i started so me and my buddy um if you go back and listen to the the early episodes me and my friend who we used to get high together and we uh got sober together and we were both christians and we were both in aa and so Mm -hmm. we found ourselves in that weird center where like kind of rough around the edges too much so for church and then too you know you can't really talk about Christianity specifically in AA and so we're like well let's like start our own little thing to talk about it and we assumed it would be really niche in that like not where we were worried that you know we figured we would be talking to you know a very specific audience but turns Mm -hmm. out it's it's uh the cool thing has been and, and it was my goal because I'm the type of Christian that believes that typically the the people i meet who are like i don't believe uh i don't believe in in christianity or that god if i talk to them they i find out that i don't believe in that god either and so it's kind of right. like look I, I guess i just want to say like you can be christian without turning off your brain and i guess i'm all about um keeping that that space open for people because I've gotten a lot of feedback of people who have been burned by Christianity in the past. And Mm -hmm. they've said that Mm -hmm. this has been helpful in them coming back to something or, or finding their own, their own new thing. Because like I said, it was like, I've been pretty burned by the church too, but I didn't let go completely. I I just kind of figured out like, you know, swallow the meat and spit the gristle sort of thing.
1: Right. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, who is, who is God? (laughs) It's like a question for the ages. I, I totally share this similar sentiment. You know, I, I feel like I probably don't believe in the same God that the majority of Christianity professes Mm -hmm. today, at least, And I have a background in evangelical Christianity. And so I would say, at least as it's professed there, you know, um, I don't really recognize that God. Yeah. (laughs) Very much. Yeah. And part of my story is, a lot of my story is, you know, rebelling kind of, I don't know, not even, I don't know that it's rebelling against that as much as it is kind of getting to a point when I was young, realizing there's just something empty there and then discovering some new freedoms. And, you know, the turning point for me was when I learned some theology from the Orthodox Church that's uh, less about, in fact, not at all about an understanding of God as a judge sending me to hell, like a Puritan understanding. Uh, but it's, it's much more uh, holistic and loving, and it's much more about it's not about saved or not being damned or not. It's, it's about working out my salvation on a daily basis. Um, anyway, you yeah. know, once some, once that sort of freedom was introduced, unfortunately I went to the other extreme, you know, and I yeah. was just like, okay, you know, yeah. all bets are, all bets are on here. And, uh, uh, well, you know, go ahead. Well, yeah, let's, uh, in, uh, uh,
0: to uh to rectify my bad habits so this is chris boss uh me and chris were put together from uh other chris uh father chris that i just had on recently which uh which i've gotten a lot of i think (laughs) i'm gonna have to change the podcast to orthodoxy and other drugs because now everyone is (laughs) is super interested in orthodoxy myself included uh it's been very eye-opening Um, but Chris, uh, put me together with Chris and said, Hey man. So (laughs) I talked to Josh from beautiful mistake. He told me I I need to talk to father Chris and then father Chris told me I need to talk to you. So, uh, so we got together and sounds like we have a similar story. So I, I wanted to get into it. So I guess we can start with kind of how you were brought up. Um, what was, what was going on in childhood and, and adolescence what were you kind of taught then?
1: Yeah. Um, well, thanks for having me though. Again, I, like I was saying earlier, I really appreciate, you know, this and your podcast uh, for sure. Um, you know, my childhood, I don't, it, there's nothing dramatic, nothing, nothing, um, nothing terrible. You know, I, I had a pretty, loving mom and dad. Um, I have a brother who's a little bit younger than nine years, younger than I am. I'm 46. So he's, you know, a little bit younger than me. Um, yeah, so my dad was a, uh, was a minister, a Baptist, he was ordained as a Southern Baptist minister. Um, and uh, he did that when I was small um, and kept doing that kind of part time. Um, as I got older, he started teaching uh, middle school um, uh, at one point, but, um, you know, he was, um, he had a lot of friends in the evangelical world, in the Protestant, or excuse me, in the Pentecostal world, and so I was exposed to a lot of that, and and, and then he started teaching fifth grade, and uh, kind of taught part, or kind of, you know, preached part-time. Anyway, the point of all that is just that, and my mom was a you know, uh, she stayed at home with, uh, to raise the boys and was involved in church. And the point of all that is just to say that, you know, I definitely grew up going to church and, um, you know, I would say even grew up taking my faith seriously. And, um, but, um, while my father was a, you know, ordained Southern Baptist minister, he was pretty open to, you know, the pentecostal churches and and just other other forms of of worship so you know that just kind of gave me this sort of broader perspective um i guess as a kid so was there um, any
0: so i I guess the answer probably i would assume no with southern baptist what did you grow up around drinking or anything like that
1: no i grew up around teetotalers you know yep, Um, me too it was a it was a sin and um, it was something, you know, drinking, smoking, <laughs> something that sinners did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or, <laughs> or we would have said back in the day, you know, the, the backslidden.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes, something yes, yes.
1: Something I heard a lot of. Um, <laughs> and that, you know, that's just what I grew up with. That was a language. That was world worldview I grew up with. Um, and, you know, it's easy to kind of now, you know, I don't, I'm kind of getting old enough now that I, I. I, I'm, I'm learning to kind of see the parts of that that I really appreciate, you know, and then there are just parts of it that I just can't can't reconcile with my worldview now or my experience now. Yeah,
0: because um, I would say, and I was similar, the parts I appreciate for sure would be that I, like my, as much as I've tried to escape it, like I, I just, I can't, let go of the idea of god the idea of a loving god the idea of like a forgiving god right those are the things that Mm -hmm. through everything i've tried i I seem to be unable to escape and i really appreciate that and then the things also that were negative that still hang on is the idea of a punishing god and the idea that there's this cosmic scorecard and if i you know, if I do good, good will be done to me. If I do bad, bad will be Mm -hmm. done to me. And that's, that's the things that even in adulthood, I'm, I'm in through therapy, like trying to get rid
1: of. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I think I jettisoned that a while ago. Um, and you know, the, the downside of that is that, well, if, God's going to love me anyway, then I'm going to really explore this freedom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> going to really uh, you know, and I took that way too far for 20 years or so. Um, and you know, that's that is what I've come to believe in is hell. I mean, <laughs> that was, you know, yeah, choosing to to separate myself from 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 God um, certainly had it consequences that were you know, kind of in my face, but just on an emotional and just, you know, just on a spiritual level, I was just, you know, I was always trying though. And that's, that's part of what I'm trying to tell myself now. Like I never stopped trying to find God, to connect with God. You know, it's not like I, in my, my experience was not that I just said, there is no God. I don't believe, you know, I always believed. It just wasn't that important to me. Um, yeah and
0: so how did so
1: how did um
0: i guess we can get to how did that kind of come about when when did you first start exploring the uh the avenues of sin as we shall call them Uh,
1: you know i when did i explore the avenues (laughs) so as a teenager i was really involved with this pretty remarkable Bible study, uh, pretty remarkable in the fact that it was this started by, it was a non-denominational, not necessarily affiliated per se with any church that was begun by a local school teacher in my hometown. And, you know, he just had this vision, um, for youth ministry. And so he started this like Saturday night Bible study in the seventies. And, um, by the time I got to it, which was the late eighties, you know, it was still going and, and, um, you know, he had kind of, um, you know, people knew him, churches knew who he was and sent, you know, some of their youth group would come to his Bible study on Saturday nights. And, you know, we just kind of formed this, uh, you know, it was a cool little, I participated in it for about four or five years. And, you know, so the time I was there, it was this cool little, Close-knit group of folks that you know were really sincere, really um, took their faith seriously, but um, you know, definitely took our cues from just whatever the spirit led us to do. You know, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't get any good theology from that experience, um, and so you know, I was left sort of in those formative teenage years, just sort of believing that. You know, well, just sort of piecing together who God was based on what I, whatever I'd gotten from childhood, or whatever I felt like this spirit-filled minister was telling me. Yeah, you know? that's a tough um, spot to be in. And so all of that was sort of under this framework that we're all familiar with. I think maybe, maybe just maybe in America, maybe in the South in particular. I don't know. I grew up in Georgia. Um, but, you know, ultimately there was this God who, you know, was going to settle the score at some point. And, you know, he's the, you know, I just remember as a kid, you know, God sees what you're doing, even in your room, you know, when nobody else is looking. And it's like, you know, years later in graduate school and I, I, you know, learning about these post-structuralist theorists, Foucault, for example, who's got the talks about the panopticon you know and the all-seeing um disciplinarian like in the uh, you know in the prisons how they have the big guard towers yeah kind of see 360 you know um anyway i was like oh my god that's that that's god that's who i see as god you <laughs> yeah know? and i was like yeah that's really kind of kind of ridiculous but i didn't um but so I so I guess I, I'm kind of rambling. But but the long and short of it is though that I had also kind of just gotten like emotionally wasted. Just like I, I can't keep chasing these highs that that this thing seems did, to be about. Did um, you
0: did you did, do you remember any? Did you get the spiritual highs? Like did you have spiritual experiences back then?
1: You know, it's funny because I definitely now you know, identify as an alcoholic. And, um, you know, we talk about alcoholism as being more than, you know, it's not really, you know, drinking was the solution. There's sure. other spiritual malady. So I am starting now a year into this deal, um, you know, to really look back and kind of see that as being present in my life from, a, ki- you know, a, a young kid, really, um, it's Just full of anxiety, full of insecurity, full of you know, I don't know who I am, but whoever you think I am, that's, that's who I'm going to (laughs) be. And when it got to that, that particular stage in my life, it was like, that was giving me my, my fix. And, Hmm. you know, I, and I, and, and keep in mind, I think these people, I was, you know, in this, this particular group I'm talking about, I mean, they really, I believe they genuinely loved me. And there was nothing nefarious or sinister going on there. But, you know, it was, You know, it was also, though, about this worshiping God who, you know, I needed to find an emotional high from, or else, if you didn't, then something must be wrong with you, A, or B, the Spirit's just not here, and so what's going on, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And that, so to that degree, yes, totally chasing those highs, because how else do you know if the Spirit is moving? Uh, other than feeling him. you know. Yeah. <laughs> and that, yeah, and that
0: I, that. I think I found, and it's why I, I totally get things like Pentecostalism because one of the first or the first uh, inpatient treatment center I went to was a, a fundamentalist one in the mountains of uh, Lenore, North Carolina, and right. it was you know it was lots of spirit filled things. God's going to heal you of everything, but. Dude, I remember the worship services we have, and it was full of like, I mean, I'm talking, it was like a, a free facility, so it was full of some hardcore felons, convicts, some like rough folks, mm-hmm. and th- we would get shattered during those worship services. I mean, people just crying right. their eyes out. Like, it, it, was, it was for sure a feeling, right? Right. And so I get it. I get the appeal of that, and... I got caught in the cycle as a kid of the sin, repentance, redemption cycle, where I would, you know, use yeah. drugs or whatever, or, or masturbate or have sex or whatever the sin was at the time. Get this intense feeling of guilt and shame, tearfully confess to God yeah. or or another a youth pastor, pray, and then have this like feeling of like. You know, cleansing or whatever. And yeah, I, th- right. I think you're dead on when that was like my, er- that was, I just inserted God and religion into my addictive framework. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, and it's funny to hear you kind of say that and, and to hear your story with that. You know, it's, it's like this. And, you know, I still do that, but the difference is, that like here's what I do now. What I do now, I still I'm I'm reflective. I I I take what I find that's blocking my spiritual life to a, a, a priest or someone or or someone I'm close to. And we talk about what I can do to get better, right? And to block that off. Whereas before it was this recognize this really bad thing, say you're sorry do something and never do it again. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, I'm like, well, yeah. you know, I mean, do you know how many times I have like, you know, and I grew up in a it's just so embarrassing. I don't even know if I want to say it, but like, you know, rock music was not was not okay oh my I'm with it. Uh, not not ro- not rock music the genre, but but secular music is what we would have said yes so you know it had to be christian rock you know and do you know how many times i've like like you know either burned or or thrown away oh man you know because oh my god i can't believe i bought this again i'm never doing it again you You know you want to hear something funny
0: (laughs) so you know the smashing pumpkins song zero Yes, I do. Okay, so the part where it goes and God is or empty whatever, God is empty. When I would sing along right. I would throw in a not Just like me. I would no, I would say God is right. not <laughs> empty. Oh,
2: <laughs> and that yes. was my justification. Yes.
0: I remember when Excellent. you when you had to you know, you'd make mixtapes by recording the radio. Yeah. I remember yeah. at the time Batman Forever had came out and it was U 2s Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me and it came on the radio and I ran downstairs and I was like dad can I please record this song is that one okay like I needed to ask permission right that's yes I'm with you bro that is the level of like stay between the lines like fear I was living in which is like yes saying it now sounds ridiculous but I was totally there it
1: does and my you know my my were, so I was born in 1974. So round round in that time frame, so that late 70s, maybe the 80s was that whole like backmasking. Was that what it was called? Where you like play the record backwards, yep. and there's supposed to be these like demonic messages yep. and. All that, you know, all that was, I remember that being super like just like in the current conversation. So I know my parents had that in their mind and they're thinking, you know, I really, oh, you know, I'm raising this kid. I, you know, I want to make sure he's okay. I I know. Right. They're doing the best they can.
0: I know. But
1: oh my God, you know, I was like, so I discovered a huge love for you too as a teenager. And when I discovered, that they took Psalm 40 and put it to music, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> yes, justification. You know, yes. here it is. You know, I I I can at least listen to you too. I don't have to feel guilty about this one anymore.
0: Exactly. I um, would. My my litmus test was what I would read the liner notes and if they <laughs> if they would thank Jesus or God, and then yep. and then I yep. remember it became the trend to like. Uh, especially with, like tooth and nail bands to thank God, but in like a different way, like to not just be. Oh right. To just I can't I can't think of a good example, but like the Father of everything, or so, you know, some different way right. to say that like we're a little bit cooler than just your standard God. Like, <laughs> Yeah, ridiculous stuff, man. And for but it's like code, right? Exactly, and and for you know, and for normal folks you know it could have stopped there but for and i don't know if it was the case for you but for someone like me with a with a blossoming alcoholism and addiction that sort of guilt and shame destroyed me once i did these things like starting to drink starting to have sex starting to it was mm-hmm. like because it, it it created this idea in my head that well you can't you know you can't go home again you can't return to the father covered in this sin yeah. and it which which is just a twisted idea but that's yeah that that's rough <laughs> that's a lot to handle yeah. for a kid
1: you know as i and just looking back on that i mean i have kids my own children now are the age i was you know when i was kind of going through a lot of this and it's just crazy to you know they have grown up very differently than i did but um it's just crazy to think you know to see them and think oh my god i remember what i was really really struggling with when i was your age you know yeah i'm sure <laughs> i can't imagine what's going on in your head but i'm sure um
0: so but when yeah. when did uh when did alcohol enter the picture and what what did it uh what did it solve at the time
1: oh that's a great question um So I went to college and, um, I, you know, I, I never drank in high school. I, I kind of a late bloomer on a lot of things and that's one of them, but, um, I never drank in high school. I think I had like one, Oh, I had a half of a wine cooler once and felt so guilty, you know, (laughs) but I, I didn't, uh, I didn't drink in high school. I really didn't drink in college. Um, in fact, I think I, like I made a big deal out of going to Athens, Georgia to a bar to buy my first beer at 21. Oh yeah. Um, and now I you're don't allowed. Think I had, yeah, I don't think I'd really had anything before then. Um, if I had, it was just like one of these one-off things. That I don't even remember, no big deal. But so, but the, the larger picture to that was I had, um, discovered the Orthodox faith, and I had uh, kind of gotten in with a group of people there in Georgia who were doing the same, and just, you know, kind of learning more about this broader, older concept of God, which includes, you know, this freedom, and... Was that you know, the me, luxury big, guys? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, I was with all those guys at the same time. Um, for me... I remember part of our catechism, we learned, you know, that the Greek word for sin is hamartia, which means missing the mark. Mm. So that was that was huge for me because, you know, it's like this, um, it's like, you know, sin is not something I do necessarily that like is like to be punished, like speeding and I get a ticket. You know, sin is what I do that separates me from from God, and that can be so many things, you know. And it mm-hmm. does, it's not just this one one thing or another. And um, um, I can say more about that later. But but that that was really huge for me. And then you know, and I'm, I I want to be careful about how I talk about this because I don't want to sound like I'm bl- I'm blaming. But it it's just being around adults who, uh, you know, they were like ticking off all the boxes. They were like uh, successful in whatever they were doing, which you know, I don't mean like living in fancy houses. I just mean they had their lives together. Um, they were um, very serious about their faith. They were intelligent. They, you know, just kind of loved me for, for who I was. And they drank alcohol, you mm-hmm. know, and not not to any kind of extreme. Um, but it was just like this you know, and even smoked cigars, you know, <laughs> yeah, and even said curse words, Holy you know, and cow. it was just like this, yeah, it was just like this whole different ball game at that point. And I was like, oh my gosh, you can really love God and it really doesn't have to have to, anything to do with all these things
0: um, the, the, that you do
1: necessarily. The current parallel um, would be,
0: uh, would be Christian's obsession with craft beers currently. That's like the cool. It's like, yeah, we're gonna ex and, and cigars. It's like we're gonna exercise our freedom in, cri- in Christ by drinking fancy beers, smoking cigars, and and talking about C.
1: S. Lewis. I remember being this wasn't, but just maybe ten, maybe fifteen years ago, meeting some really wonderful people in Lexington, and they were neighbors, and they went to the Vineyard Church, and. Um, this guy was like huge into home, homebrewing mm. and that just shook my world. I was like, wait <laughs> a minute, <laughs> you go to this, you know, yeah. vineyard church and you, back in my day, people that went to the vineyard church didn't do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's so different. So how did you, but, uh,
0: when did you notice that you were different
1: Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. To the drinking. Okay. So so yeah. So I started, and you know, you can always look back and you can see the signs. You Obviously. know. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, I know now. I can look back even on those really early days. I was always the guy that wanted it to keep going. You know. I yes. <laughs> and and you know, at I guess at that point it was like, instead of two beers, I'm gonna have four, and you know, that's yep. really kind of. Um, but it's just, you know, it's what they say. It's a slow, progressive thing. And um, so I, you know, had gotten married and um, I, um, um, you know, I was, uh, we, let's see, I, I I taught high school for a year. I'm trying to reconstruct all this. And then uh, we moved to Kentucky in 2003. We had had two kids at that point. Before that, we lived in North Carolina where I'd gotten my master's degree. And Um, It was at that point that I really started, like, being aware that something's something's probably not right here. And we had, I told you I was a late bloomer, so I Mm -hmm. didn't really start playing guitar and writing songs and stuff until I was, like, mid-20s during that time period of my life. Um, And we had a basement in this house we rented, and so it just quickly became an every night thing. Oh, I'm going down to the basement to play guitar yeah. and drink, you know, a few beers. And it just, that went on and on and on. And, you know, I was still holding my stuff together. I mean, I, you know, was making it to wherever I needed to be doing whatever I needed to do at school, keeping the kids a couple of days a week. But looking back on it, I can see that like, you know, as soon as my duties were over, it was on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And it was super easy, especially during those grad school days, the first time there, it was real easy to kind of couch that as just, well, that's just what you do, you know, Mm -hmm. it's part of the culture. Um, and so, you know, it just, it kind of was just sort of what, what we did and, um, you know, I had a couple people who would say, man, every time I see you, you have a drink in your hand, (laughs) you know? And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, you, that's because you see me at, you know, this, this time of day or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what do you, what do you
0: expect? It's 1130 AM. Like, of course I've got a drink.
1: (laughs) Right, right. And, um, oh, this is funny. I, this just popped into my head. I was recounting this not too long ago. This is a cornerstone story. I went up with those luxury guys to cornerstone back in i think it was 2001 or 2 it was right before i moved to kentucky and i moved to kentucky in 2003 and i was pretty well into like i can see now that i was pretty well into my drinking career and we have you been to cornerstone i have i have okay so you know it's like out in the middle of nowhere and then you, you you drive back into town or whatever to find your hotel or something so We leave Cornerstone and we go to this, this, in this small town, we go to this grocery store and we're like, I'm getting my beer and we're, you know, going through the checkout line and it had just hit the, you know, 12 o'clock or whatever the cutoff time was. And the guy wouldn't sell it to me and I just lost my shit. (laughs) (laughs) And I had every justification in the world. you got to be kidding me we drove all of whatever, 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 this podunk town, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I look back on that and I'm just like, Oh man, you know, it's, you know, so they're just uh, in sobriety. They're just all these moments like that that I see. My gosh. Um, you know, it was really bad and you you can't see what you you can't see though. That's true. Um, and I don't know, I don't want to give a whole drunk log necessarily, but, you know, it just, it kind of kept progressing and kept progressing to the point that, um, uh, you know, I was sitting out on the back porch of my home just kind of drinking by myself every night of the week. And, um, you know, that's just kind of what you do. And um, I've made lots and lots of bad decisions along the way and, um, you know, had some repercussions from all that. And uh, it just finally yeah um so Uh, and and i
0: think i just wanted to comment on that because i think yeah yeah. and i'm a um i'm a substance abuse counselor and what a, a thing that commonly comes up that i don't think and maybe uh people on the outside looking in can see it more than we can but you know everyone like when you say you know I drank for 20 years. It's it's not that you were stumbling drunk 24/7 for 20 years, but like when you're in uh-huh. there's such a difference in being in active use versus being in recovery that even your day-to-day decisions are kind of being made by this drunk version of you, right? Even when you're not yep. even in your your clean moments during that time it's just amazing like how much that's what always astounds me looking back at my own life is and I can I can remember my thought processes then and I'm just, it's just it's so amazing how much of a different person that was. And it's like why would I ever absolutely get into that argument? Why would I ever choose to move there? And it's just Right. Like, it's just it's crazy. It's insanity.
1: <laughs> I when I started my first step last April, um, I struggled with I, okay, but how, how is my life unmanageable Yeah. and how exactly am I an alcoholic? Because I, I had this, like you said, I had this sort of stereotype of an alcoholic as being stumbling or, you know, homeless or, 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 and this is, I'm a unique case, I know, but, or like physically addicted. I don't think that I had ever gotten physically addicted. Maybe I had, and I'm not aware, but I could go two or three days and I wouldn't get the shake. Sure. Um, and I was talking to my sponsor had me call, you know, make some phone calls. And I was talking to this guy in Atlanta who had, I don't know, 20, 30 years of sobriety. So, you know, he'd been doing it a while. And it was like a light bulb went off when I had this phone conversation with him because I was just explaining to him my story, my situation. And he he really, he's, you know, I, I totally recognize that. He's like, yeah, I could go for a weekend, too. But problem is I just never really wanted to. And yeah. <laughs> there yeah. was just something about when he said that and then uh a little while later kind of connecting it to that sort of restless, irritable and discontent, you yeah. know, I was like, "Oh my gosh, there it is." And yeah. um that was just sort of the the moment for me. I was like, "Well, that's that's what's been going on then for, <laughs> for yeah, a cuz uh, could, uh, I couldn't couldn't see it.
0: A lot a lot of times it's not um, especially if we're if we're good professional drunks, we can somewhat mm-hmm. uh, keep together the external factors, but our internal life is completely unmanageable. And and that's that's sometimes the thing that's hard to understand is that you know I, I had the job, I had the wife, I had the kids, I had the bank account, but inside, like you are this vapid black hole of negativity and stress. And it's like, that's, that's also unmanageable, you know, if you can't.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: But yeah, sorry. Continue. Oh, so I guess we can. No, I get, was
1: just going to, sorry. No, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to pick up on that. My emotional life was completely unmanageable, a disaster, you know? And, um, I mean, I, awful you know and um you know i in 2016 i think it was um you know my wife and i who you know we had been married for 20 20 years or so um i mean we were just like we're done. I mean, and it was me. I was like, I'm done, you know, I'm done with this Mm. because it's, you know, it's, 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 it's always about somebody else. Right. It's like, I'm not happy because of you. I'm not happy because of this situation. So I'm, so I'm out. And, um, so we, you know, we split and she took our teenage boys and they moved, you know, moved out. And, um, the, the, one of the moments, um, happened, my mother, um, so I, you know, I was famous for canceling plans and <laughs> yeah, um, p- part of that, you know, I, I have an anxiety disorder. So, you know, while you know, a while back in my 20s, I started having panic attacks. And so I would cancel things because of panic attacks. Well, it just sort of grew into this thing, you know, well, then it became, OK, I would really rather stay here and have a few more drinks than go to dinner with whomever. So I'm going to just cancel you know (laughs) i'll just oftentimes i would just use my anxiety as, as, as the reason but um but anyway so i canceled this lunch with my mom and who had just moved to to kentucky from georgia to be near us and she had my wife drive her over and she i was sitting on the back porch smoking drinking my beer um it was a hot sunny after sunny sunday afternoon and she just came up to me and she's like i you know i don't remember exactly what she said but she just she had tears in her eyes she was like this just is not you this isn't right you're just i you know i please get please do something please get some help and Oof. you know it was like yeah it was i mean i was honestly drunk enough that i was like okay i feel something. Um, Enough to like know that that this is really major, but it still didn't really sink in. If that makes sense, I mean, oh, it was yeah. kind of like okay, okay, yeah. shit's real here, you yeah. know. And um, and um, so not too long after that, my, you know, I just said okay, you know, I'm gonna do it. And my wife and I decided to reconcile. We did part of that was me not drinking anymore. Part of that was getting involved, going back to church because. I had been a really bad Orthodox Christian at that point for about, I want to say 15 plus years. Um, And by bad Orthodox Christian, meaning I just kind of hardly ever went. I certainly didn't pray at home. You know, I I, I just wasn't doing the deal. And um, so she had started going to an Episcopal church and I was like, fine, that sounds good to me. I, I just, I, whatever yeah. <laughs> you know yeah whatever i got to do and whatever i got to do so i jumped back in and i jumped back in with 2 feet i got involved in the in the church you know i started serving um, you know helping with the altar guild just whatever do you know participating in these little um, lectio divina type small groups that they would have and and you know just really had some great spiritual growth but i realized now i was kind of white knuckling it um to some degree. Um, I remember being at a David Bazan show early on during, in Louisville. He was just playing solo and I was just like sipping my club soda at this bar uh with my wife, you know, and I just pissed off that I couldn't go get beer, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was, oh, but yet man. I knew I didn't want it because I knew I didn't want it whatever, you know, but just you know, that was kinda like my existence. And then I again I told you I was a late bloomer, so I, I decided, you know, it's time to start a band. You know, I've been writing all these songs and I've, you know, whatever. I just, I need to do this. So I started this band and we got really active in Lexington and we started, you know, traveling to Nashville and Cincinnati and whatnot. And um, so being in that, those those bars and those clubs or whatever, um, I started drinking again, you know, and it was just this sort of you know, maybe one night I would, maybe one night I wouldn't. It became a gamble. Um, yeah. And what was the band? I, my band is called Kind Skies. Okay. Um. Yeah, we're on all the streaming stuff, but um, um, we're still together. But you know, pandemic is kind of. We've been writing and recording, but no playing live. So. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so, you know, I'd have a couple beers, you know, at a show, and then I'd have four. And then I, I, I started going, and, you know, the whole time I would go home, pray my wife didn't smell it on my breath. Most of the time she would. That was starting to cause some friction because, you know, it's just here, here we go again um, it was kind of where I was getting in my head. I had kind of stopped going to church, pulling back from church, you know, which is my typical, that's just what I do you know, I, I isolate like most of us do. (laughs) Um, and I, back in March, right before the pandemic hit, like right before we went into quarantine, um, I went to like one of the last in-person AA meetings in Lexington. And I was just kind of like, I had been to meetings before, just sort of one-off, you know, like I'd, I'd over the years I'd go once because maybe I have a problem, but you know, I didn't pursue anything, you know, right, and right. Um, just, just dipping your so toe I, in. Exactly. And, um, you know, and I was still like, I just don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I'm an alcoholic, whatever. But I just, I kind of, I remember just sort of like getting my phone, looking at the meeting guy and it was like, okay, I'm going to go to this meeting because I, this looks like a bad road I'm going down and I'm starting to get miserable again. And, um, whatever. And I'll go to a meeting, but it's gotta be real close by my house or I'm not going. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, I gotta, it's gotta be on my terms. Though, yeah. Yeah. Me, I love so. it. <laughs> I love it. But and if I hear something I don't like, I'm out. Right, exactly. Through the mercy of God, there was one that was down the road for me. And, um, you know, I walked in and I, it was a really small group and, uh, um, this guy approached me afterwards and, uh, he became my sponsor ultimately. Um, but this guy approached me afterwards and, you know, he, he was just talking, He just gave me his number and he's like, you know, yeah, you know, you call me whatever. Well, I sat on it for about four weeks, I think, three or four weeks. And I don't know, one Sunday I was just like, yeah, I guess I should give this guy a call. So let's just see what happens. So I called him. I was like, Hey, you know, um, I told him who I, was. I was like, you know, I don't know how to get a sponsor, but I guess I need one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's so awkward. It's so awkward. I love it. It is. And he uncharacteristically, and you kind of have to know him to kind of get this maybe, but he was just like, oh man, I'll be your sponsor. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I didn't know any better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, now I know you kind of talk around you know, you can whatever, but it's worked out for me. So uh, that's been good. But Um, so, you know, I, you know, he was like, well, when's the last time you drank? I told him, he's like, all right, April 8th is is your, you know, sobriety date. And we started working the steps and, um, you know, I, I I haven't had a drink since and more, well, not more importantly, but as importantly, I feel like I've been, um, sober, you know, and that's something I didn't really know, uh, back in 2016, I didn't, I didn't know what I thought sobriety was one thing, and and I now understand it to be something completely different. Well, um, what it's would you not s- just. Yeah. What well, I uh, thought it was just. I I thought it was just not drinking, um, and you know maybe getting a hobby. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe even praying. I mean maybe going to church. I did that too, um, and now it's 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 an action. Um, yeah. You know it is a day. It is a daily action and you know kind of going back to my early experiences as a christian um as a teenager and we were talking about getting those fixes you know um it it it, it's i i have been driven by my feelings for so long that i almost don't know how to live but it has been so freeing you know to get into recovery to to start working some steps to actually doing stuff and you know, it sucks sometimes. I mean, it sucks a lot of times. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't want to do it, but, and there are some days I don't, you know, and, and I'm pretty miserable those days. Um, like, I'm just not enjoying life. I'm not, I'm not serene, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think that's a super
0: important message, too, because, I have talked to a few people in early recovery that think it's kind of like going back to the Christian guilt stuff. They think they're doing something wrong if they're not, if everything's not sunshine and rainbows all the time. And it's like, no, my Mm -hmm. friend, like life is very much still life, but you can respond to it in a different way. And then it's still, you know... I, I disagree strongly with the statement that my best day sober or my worst day sober is better than my best day getting high because I had some fantastic days getting high, so I will always push back right. against that. But um right. but I get the sentiment right in, in that Right. Like, like I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't trade. Um I really relish the fact that I can wake up and not have to Put something into my body to change the way I feel, you know, yeah. that's, that's pretty precious to me these days. Um, absolutely.
1: I uh, you know, I, I, you said that and I was just thinking, I, I, I agree. I, you know, being drunk wasn't the problem. I was, I was fine. You know, I felt okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's when you're not, that's really terrible. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, but yeah, I, I totally agree that changing, not having to, you know, and I feel like I, in some ways I feel like I I have no, no business speaking in, in in some regard. I mean, I, I'm barely a year into this deal. Um, um, you know, at, at the same time, my experience is my experience and it is, is that's all I can, that's all I can speak for. Um, but you know, I, I can, as part of that, I can definitely still speak to the sort of rawness of you know even now, I mean even still i you know it's sometimes it's kind of raw, like mm-hmm. a a thought like especially when it's it's getting nice out, the spring's out, and so um you know there's some I had some fun during the springtime yeah. and summer out on patios, and you know so sometimes that all kind of really hit me, and, and oh yeah, uh, I kind of have to take a minute. That's
0: I, I, I tell people all the time. It's like I, I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that um, when bad situations occur, getting high or drunk is not going to make it better, right? So it's, it's not the temptations to use for me these days are not um, when something bad happens. the The mm-hmm. sketchier time is like you said. It's sunny. There's a football game on. I got money in the bank you know what i mean everything's going yeah. great and it's kind of like that urge to reward yourself or to relax oh, like that yeah. that's a that's a real the, the whole um unwind after a long day with a with a glass of of whatever but it's like but it never stops there right that's the thing it it never ever that's stops problem yeah and i have no uh I have no desire to drink like a normal person because having one beer sounds awful to me. Like that's ne- that's yeah. that's never what I wanted was to have one to catch a nice little buzz and just chill. Doesn't sound like a good time. Um,
1: that's just mean, <laughs> It is, dude. Absolutely mean to offer somebody one beer. That's it is. It's cruel <laughs> and unusual.
0: I did um in the in the time we got left, I did want to hear because this is just from for me personally what you were talking about um of things that block you off from god right because this this is internal this is one of my internal struggles is i look at verses for instance of things that saying um like i guess it was paul said nothing you know neither height nor depth can separate you from the love of god and this idea that there's right. nothing that can separate us from god um Right. Then there is the the AA side or kind of what you're talking about where there there are things that I can do that will separate me from God. But that's always something because I struggle mm. with things like the dark night of the soul where I will feel separated from God. But I, I guess I feel mm. like it, it's God doing it because I, I don't understand what I can do to get closer to God and then I have to fight that part of me that says, Oh, it's because I'm I'm not doing the quote right things and, and God is mad at me or something. So I guess I'm just curious for your thoughts on that or, or what, what do you have
1: learned? Yeah. That's huge. I mean, that's, you know, my, I really want to get over my feelings <laughs> so badly, you know, uh, what I believe and I, I, love thomas merton and his new seeds of contemplation is just ground i mean it's life-changing to me i'm gonna Um, write that down uh, oh my gosh it is so it is so readable it is just amazing and so what i believe is that god is never or god is always present i i don't believe that i think that i am just not aware of his presence. Um, Hmm. and I don't, don't see it. Don't hear it. Don't, don't whatever for me. I mean, it's just, you know, I guess it's, we might have some universal things in common, but I'll just be honest with me, uh, these days. And, and I know this isn't, I don't know. This is just me. For me, smoking has been a, a, a thing for me for 20 years. I just, and it's that instant gratification, it's that it, it, it just is for me. That is the one thing right now that I recognize that, you know, it, it's continuing to feed that addictive part of my brain and it's continuing to isolate me um, by making me, I guess it's make, obviously making me physically dependent, but I'm just, I, I can't explain it, but I just get into this other place in my life when I'm smoking actively. Oh you know? man! And
0: you hit me—you hit me in the nicotine but, button. I hear you. though. I'm my, listening. I'm know, listening.
1: But but no, that's just me, and that's that's why I'm saying I, that's clearly not everybody's experience because I go to AA meetings and we all stand around and smoke outside. You know, I've and, had and that perfectly thought fine. before, though. I've had that thought but before, though. But you know, it's not just nicotine. It's also my overindulgence of chocolate, <laughs> and right. You know, it's like chocolate is perfectly fine. It's wonderful. But I misuse it and I use it for all these, you know, I can recognize after the fact is like comforting mechanisms and things like that. And that's being to me, that's being that's kind of ignoring the the, the I guess we would say the Holy Spirit, you know, um, mm. that is uh, that. That is the life spirit within me, because that is doing something that I know is not in my best interest. That I know is something that I'm I, not out of guilt or shame or anything else, but I'm just not gonna gonna be who I want to be, you know, continuing to like do this thing um, uh, habitually. And I don't know if that makes any sense. And and it you does. Know, maybe I need counseling, but but that's just kind of where I'm at, and that's. That's kind of what I believe, and it could literally be anything, though, you
0: know? I, I guess my my counter-question to that is what about those things that you continually go back to, though? So how do you—so, um, for instance, you recognize uh, chocolate is um, can be problematic. You continue to use chocolate. How do you not let that become a source of, like— how do you not give it too much power, even though it is a thing? Does that make sense?
1: I think so, and I I wish I could do that. You know better. I think that the right thing to do in those situations. I think, for example, well, go ahead.
0: I was gonna say I might just be leaving myself in out, and I'm trying to rationalize. Like the answer might just be you need to try to stop doing those things. You know what I'm saying? But I might be yeah. rationalizing a way to. Because it's like you said earlier, it's that whole, uh, who, what, what scripture is it where it's like, everything is permissible, but not everything is good, and like, what then? Not everything
1: is lawful or good, exactly, and that's, that's, I love that, because that is exactly what I'm talking about, it's, and it's like, again, it's just for me, it's, it's, you know, it's like, if I were, you know, coming home and eating two bags of potato chips tonight, right, we'd recognize that as a problem, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. but, I I, I kind of do the similar thing with these other things, and that that's a problem for me. You know, it's a problem for me because I know that it's it, it's ultimately not not what I want to do. It's not good for my body, for one. It's it's it's. But it's it's making me. I don't know. I'm finding comfort in something else, and I think that you Oof, know, I, it yeah. sounds old and stodgy, but I think that like saying the third step prayer or <laughs> or something like that. Yeah you know is is kind of the better answer it, you know it, you know what it is i think is and i don't i'm probably speaking way out of my my nah, level of, go for it uh, real knowledge but you know it just kind of reminds me of whatever it is i know of attachment and detachment like from buddhism and that, that kind of uh-huh. strain of thinking you know it's like for me these are things i get attached to and and that's problematic to me oh that's um, so true you know, that I just, so I true. have this unhealthy attachment, you know, and it's, I mean, it's social media too. I sit on my phone and scroll and, you know, the yep. problem with that is, is the, the, the headspace it takes me into, yep, you know, which yep. more often than not is compare and despair and envy and lust and yep. whatever, whatever. And it's just, it's not bad that like in itself, right? I mean, everybody, we, I That's debatable. Use
0: it, yeah. I, I'm, I'm having, yeah, it's yeah. not, well, and it's. It seems that I just can't uh I can't use it in the correct way. Moderation of anything is just really yeah. difficult for me right yeah Gosh. you're right so what would you um what would you i guess what would you say or what would you wish you heard to someone maybe in in a similar situation as yourself um that might be wondering? Um, if something is a problem or if they're just kind of stuck in a place in life like what would you say to the chris bosses out there maybe maybe early on or in the middle of like a, a poor relationship with alcohol or something
1: yeah golly i have no idea you know i people said stuff to me all the time and i didn't hear it i you know or
0: did you uh, yeah. Or, did, did it just get I mean, planted? I'm big on seed planting, man. There's some things I I yeah. would have sworn I didn't hear, but 17 years later, here I am talking about it. Right? Just
1: right. You know, I I was always the guy that that would people would ask me, "Are you happy?" And I would say, "You know, I just I have no idea. I don't know." Mm. You know, um, are you content? I have no idea. I don't even know what that means. Um, and I look back on that and I think that's... I, I can see how my addiction to alcohol, you know, was sort of the cause of that. Um, and I, I could. I just couldn't see it then. Um, you know, I don't... I, I don't know. I i just... Um, you know, I'm not there yet, right? I mean, <laughs> I haven't arrived. I'm not this, like, shiny, happy person uh, but all the time, but I just feel a level of contentment now that I know is, is different. Um, and it's that contentment that for once I can trust myself because, you know, I, I can choose, um, I can choose to take some action. I can choose to do these things and I'm starting to get a feel for, you know, how I feel when I do that, and that's pretty darn good, you yeah know? Um, man, I don't know what I would say to myself back then i uh, or or to someone in that same same space. I definitely think that that this misconception of what the alcoholic looks like and sounds like is 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 unfortunate, you know i mean i I, I wish that I wish that I don't know, I wish yeah. that people could see that you know alcoholism doesn't have to mean that you're um physically addicted or that you're homeless or that you're stumbling drunk or <laughs> it, it 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 can mean that that your inner life is just a complete wreck yeah um so
0: so so you heard it here first folks if you drink one beer you are definitely an alcoholic and you should go to rehab immediately that's that's what I want everyone to take from this podcast. Is that? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, Man, that... we
1: had this converse We had a real conversation the other day at school. I teach high school English, and we had a real conversation about some of this stuff. And I just let my kids talk, you know, and I just I listened. And you know, it's one of those things. It's like I feel like I should say something really wise here, but I don't really have anything really wise to say. So I said, you know, if you never touch a substance, you're going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be more than fine. I highly recommend, you know, a life of just abstinence. I don't know. Maybe that's, that's not the right answer. Either, no, but, I
0: like it. There, um, and there, there's, no, I just, there's no right answers. You know that, too. It's all personal yeah. experience. That's why I was just curious to hear yours. Um, right. Chris, yeah. man, this, this was awesome. I'm, I'm glad we got it.
1: Well, I, yeah, thanks for talking. I appreciate it, and I appreciate what you're doing here with this podcast. Like I said, that's it's good stuff.